And welcome back once again to the One Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Marbrecht. How are you, sir? I'm good. The coronavirus hasn't got me yet, Adam. Oh, thanks. Th- th- thankfully, man. I was fingers crossed. You know, I've been telling you stop drinking those beers, but you're a risk taker. So I- I've, been, I've been wondering if you were going to pull through and it looks like so far so good. I'm, I'm not a cruise ship kind of guy. And this just further validates why I never want to go on a cruise ship. Oh, good God. Imagine being quarantined on a, you know, like you say, like, oh, if you're in a hotel somewhere and there's a, there's an outbreak and they, they quarantine the building. Imagine being quarantined, just circling, just circling the, the harbor on a cruise ship. There's, there's one right now in Oakland. Uh, you know, they're, they're finally getting some people off of the boat, but there was like 50 people that had the virus. They quarantined the boat. It's been just circling the Oakland Bay for like weeks. Uh... And now these people are getting off eventually, but that is literally my worst nightmare, Adam. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, that that, that that's kind of that's kind of spiraling me. That that that's that terrifying right there. All right, let's not let's not get bogged down in that. We're both healthy, strapping young men, living in the world, having a good time. And as we talk about the best time of season right now, just a, a handful of days away from the start of free agency. And uh, first first tidbit of news was it felt like just moments ago, Andy, that everyone was saying the. The deal with Leonard Williams is all but done. It's in place, and the Giants are simply waiting, as you had alluded to a while ago on the podcast, for for Leonard Williams to hit free agency so that the fifth rounder will stay there and not become a fourth that we sent over to the Jets. And then it kind of comes out, though, that none of this is terribly accurate and there isn't remotely a deal in place for Leonard Williams and talking about that there is supposed to be a pretty robust market for him when he hits free agency. What are, what are your takeaways from that, and where do you think the Giants stand now? Well, it's, pre- it's pretty simple to me. The Giants can't come out and say that they have a deal done. They can't because then the, you know, the Jets will clearly scream tampering. Like this is, there's gotta be some kind of issue behind, like if they have a verbal deal in place and the Jets could file a grievance saying like they agreed to it in the prior season, they just inked the deal later. I think now everyone's kind of backboning and being like, no, we definitely don't have any collusion going on here. Um, But in, in my mind, I, I absolutely think that the Giants have some kind of understanding with Leonard Williams at this point. And we'll find out in the next week or two what that actually looks like. Yeah, it will be interesting to see where it goes from there. Following up with that, I believe you have another interesting note around the free agency market. Is that correct? Well, uh, kind of around the free agency market. Uh, A couple of minutes ago, uh, New York Giant, now former New York Giant, Rhett Ellison has announced his retirement. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yes, it just it just happened about a half hour, forty five minutes ago. Giant uh, Giants.com broke it. Um, Ralph Acciano of SNY is saying that because he's retiring, we essentially will gain an extra five million in cap space now, as opposed to having him on the roster. And he leaves about two point one million in dead money. So we kind of said maybe they'll restructure it down to that two point one. Um, but either way, we've shaved another five million off the cap to be able to pay. Someone like Leonard Williams, someone like Clowney, or one of these offensive tackles in free agency. And we knew there was a couple other names on the Giants roster that maybe were going to go. Seemed like if Red Ellison stuck around, like you said, the restructuring felt like it was going to make sense. I think that you know, from a veteran presence, the Giants may have wanted or been willing to keep him around at the right dollar number. And then you talk about if Leonard Williams say he was going to cost you fifteen million, all of a sudden finding an extra five million lying around doesn't hurt to soften the blow of what that salary could look like. 
other uh, other notes here around the Giants as well. A little bit of heating up uh, in terms of the conversations. Now, again, you don't know what it is until the free agency period officially begins. But, you know, Jones from Dallas, the cornerback, it seems like that's a conversation that is getting some traction right now. Do you feel like this is more rumor speculation, or do you think that there's legitimacy that – maybe two-part, that the one, the Giants are looking to target a, a cornerback in the free agency period and that they'd be willing to go what it's going to take to get, you know, Jones in the door, and you're talking about, you know, paying him upwards of $16, $17, 18000000 million a year. You know, Adam, it's it's kind of crazy, and and there's been a few people on Twitter that have have mocked it as well. What what free agent are the Giants not rumored to be in on at this point, right? Yeah. Like, what, like I've heard Jadavian Clowney for twenty two million is in the mix. I've heard we're resigning Marcus Golden. I've heard Jack Conklin. I've I, I mean, I've heard every single one, and Jones is no different. And obviously, we only have a fixed amount of cap space, even when we open up five million uh, in the last twenty four hours. You know, I. I think Jones is going to get paid and he's going to get paid handsomely. Um, you know, he has performed very well since moving from free safety to cornerback. I do have a little bit of concern uh, just knowing that he's only played the cornerback position uh, for the better part of, of two years. Um, you know, some would argue that that actually makes him more valuable because he can only go up from here. Uh, but I just think we have such a small sample size that paying him, you know, $17 million, $18 million a year would, would be a hefty price tag. Yeah, it's hard to think about it from that standpoint, given his age. And like you said, relatively young to the position, has shown success at the, at the role as well. But I, I just, I have my concerns about investing that much of a dollar amount at a position and for players. You know, the general consensus is there aren't any lockdown corners on the market in this free agency period. So, you know, we've highlighted at any of these positions about in free agency, sometimes you do find yourself having to overpay to get talent in the door, but especially at the cornerback position, it just feels like we talked about Darius Slay at one point too. He wants to get paid big, but you look at his numbers and his ratings and it doesn't exactly, he bears out more as a strong two than a true number one. So, you know, at some point you kind of have to say, if it's not there on the market, Let's hold these dollars. Let's wait for next season. And if we want to bring in a big free agent name at that position, we can. And it's not a knock on Jones either, but I, I just don't I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how – if they said they signed him, I don't know if I, if I would be disappointed or excited. And if they said they didn't sign him, I don't know if I would feel like we missed out on someone, right? Well, well the, the interesting thing, and I, I don't know if anyone else is making this correlation, but I find it very similar to the Leonard Williams free agency where – if, if you look at Jones's stats, I think he only has two interceptions in the last two years, right? He's not putting up those big game-changing turnovers. He also doesn't get the ball thrown that much to him. So that's kind of the, the argument is that he's so good that people avoid throwing it in his direction. Mm-hmm. But on, this, on the stat sheet, we're not seeing that, you know, materialize into turnovers, which are clearly like the biggest way to, to change the game on the defensive side of the ball. So for me, I find it interesting because there are people that are saying, we don't want Leonard Williams because he doesn't sack the quarterback. And then they're also then saying, we got to spend $18 million on, on Jones, even though Jones doesn't do the things that Leonard Williams doesn't do. And that's create sacks and turnovers, you know, those big time metrics. Yeah, it's interesting how from position to position, you say a cornerback, uh, you always think back to, you know, Revis Island, right? The, the production, you can, you can equate how good the player is because the ball never goes his way, right? You don't go to his side of the field. So even when a player doesn't necessarily have some of the stats, it seems like fans are, are more readily willing 
to understand the lack of stats still being production. And unlike on the defensive line, and we talked about Leonard Williams ad nauseum at certain points where the hurries and the pressures, those are valuable, but fans in general seem to disconnect that idea. And they say, if you don't get me some level of sacks, then you're not worth the money. And likewise for a Marcus Golden, and I've gone back and forth about what I think his real value is and where the Giants should be in terms of bringing him back. But when you look at his numbers, you go 10 sacks. Okay, but his pro football focus rating doesn't tell you that he's a 10-sack level player, and it tells you that there's a lot of other things going on when he's not getting those sacks uh, that certainly bring down his value a little bit. Just to round out on Byron Jones as well, you know, 2018 season, he played out to an 83 pro football focus rating, played out to a 76 this past year as well. Uh, you know, only targeted 53 times this last year. That's 73rd in the league. Receptions at 30 is down at 88. So the disparity of targets versus receptions allowed is strong for him. But to your point, you know, it's hard to get too inside the numbers when you're not seeing and necessarily getting picked on. And that can be one of the most positive signs if you are going to bring a player like this in. Yeah, and I keep looking at those stats. You know, like you said, he was amazing in 2018 when he made the switch. He was mm. still good last year, and I don't want to take anything away from him as, as a positional player. That my challenge is just 17 million just seems like a lot for a guy that I don't think is that true number one lockdown corner. Yeah, and that's really what it comes down to for me as well as the dollar signs there. We had talked about, or I had said it, I, I threw you under the bus on our last episode together where I said I wanted to do a live mock draft. We got, we got to talking afterwards, and really, you pointed it out, makes way more sense to wait until this free agency wave hits. A lot of the early action is going to dictate, uh, obviously, where the Giants stand, and because we have that cap room, we should be active early. It's not like we're looking for some value picks later in the free agency market. So we're going to know pretty quickly where the Giants stand free agency-wise, and then we'll dive in on a mock draft because we'll be able to update so much of what we feel the Giants' positional needs are. In the meantime, though, you posed a really great scenario of starting to go through our positional needs on this roster and basically playing a little bit of GM and saying, if this offer were to come to you, if the market dictates X, do you sign off on bringing in this particular player at this position at this dollar amount? So I started looking, Andy. And yes, you did. Talk to um, me. Yeah, I'm sure you have some names as well, but uh, you know, I, I know there's going to be some obvious ones here, and this is going to actually probably going to surprise you. But Conklin's out there. The market value says that he he should be around the six six year ninety million dollar fifteen million dollars a year. When you go inside his pro football focus numbers, he is coming off a 78 rated 2019 season. However, injured the year prior, just a 66, 71 going back to 2017. And then all the way back to 2016, that big year, 80.6 in pro football focus. So uh, this is a guy that does have some injury concerns, certainly within there. And in spite of a good season, wasn't even the best season of his career. If the contract comes across your desk, you are Dave Gettleman. You need to sign off on this or politely pass it down the line. Where, where do you stand on Jack Conklin if it meant coming in at $15 million? So not only is it a soft pass, but it's a hard pass. Like I, the, the, the contract would come across my desk, and I would immediately continue sliding it into the shredder is basically where I would go with that directionally. Mm. And, and, and it's, it's a multitude of reasons that you know I've probably talked about ad nauseum. But for me – the thing I love most is his age. He's 26 years old, so certainly has more room to grow and has the ability to, to sustain you know, the level of play for multiple years. The, the problem that I just can't get over in my mind is that he is a right tackle. 
Mm -hmm. And when we're thinking about investing money or assets or, or whatever it may be into our offensive line, I think the priority needs to be the left tackle position. So my, my challenge is spending 15 million on the right tackle on the right side seems to be really rich without having a full direction yet on where we go on the left side of the ball. Yeah, and that's obviously one of the tight spots the Giants find themselves in. Let's move right along here, though. If it's too rich for your blood there, here's a guy that's been talked about possibly retiring. I knock on your door once again. Dave, listen, I know you weren't a fan of Conklin. A little too rich for your blood. Didn't like the length of the contract, maybe. How much money you're going to be investing in totality. You've highlighted the possibility of swinging Nate Soldier around to the right side and seeing if he can have some value for us in the upcoming season. I throw out the offer there that I say, hey, listen, I think we can get we, we get Anthony Costanzo. I know he's been talking about retiring. He's 31 years old, still has some tread left on his tire, and we're looking at a three-year, $40 million contract, $13.5 million annual, and you probably have some wiggle room on that third year, right? Third year is probably not going to be locked into. Would you sign on to bring in a veteran like that, specifically, and I'll say it has to be specifically, obviously, to move Soldier over, and then you plug in Costanzo at the left tackle, with the idea being we still go right into the draft and we pick up one of those offensive tackles because now we have a little bit of age, so we know we've, we've, we've kicked the can down the road a little bit in this scenario. So I actually think I would pull the trigger on this. You know, the flexibility that a three-year deal provides you is pretty good. There are other offensive tackles that have shown to be able to play well into their mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it addresses the need uh, in, in the area of focus that I've been talking about at nauseum. It, it is the left tackle position. It allows us also a little bit more flexibility with the first overall pick in the draft to turn around and say, okay, it is not like five-alarm fire here that we have to take an offensive tackle. If we've shored up, you know, one of the better left tackles in the game, he's clearly a top seven or eight tackle by, by most estimations. Um, so for me, I, I probably w- would sign off on that deal. Yeah, you have to look down the road, I think, and say next year's draft class, what do we see at the offensive line position, specifically left tackle, right tackle, to say that we know we're not fully addressing it in the long term. Um, I would be be interested in it. I have a couple more that we can go through here, uh, but do you have any on on the tip of your tongue that you want to throw back at me? I do. I have have one uh, that I wanted to toss over to you. I, I know your feelings on Conklin and where you stand, um, but let's say that you're Dave Gettleman, you're the GM, and all of a sudden, there is an older veteran that becomes available and his name is Jason Peters, the offensive tackle of the Philadelphia Eagles. He has been blocking at a high level, but he's had some injuries and he's also 38 years old. I come to you and, and he says, you know, I'm going to resign with the Eagles unless you give me a two year $31 million deal. That could slid across your desk. Mr. Gettleman, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, I, I, I slide that one right on down the line, not because of the player, uh, but for me, if, if that's what it is, if it's the stare down of if you want to pull me away from the Eagles and for $31 million and, and you got to figure at his age going to be almost entirely guaranteed, so you're, you're locked into that $15-plus million a year, I probably pass on that because, you know, minor nagging injuries for him, but they are there. They do exist. 38 years old. That's just a little bit too far for me to go when talking about bringing in, you know, quote unquote, stopgap kind of situation for the Giants. I think you're setting yourself up potentially to be locked into a big dollar amount. And this is a guy that potentially could get injured at 39 years, 38, 39 years old. 
and, and now you're you don't have the you don't have the hole filled. Now you've locked in some some money as well that you can't get rid of. Combine that with Nate Soldier, and it just feels like you're dumping a lot of cash and not getting a lot of value back. I, I see. I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence. I'm really on the fence. I would strongly consider it the two birds with one stone mentality where you you take away a, a pro bowl like talent from one of your division rivals while also you know locking yourself into two years with jason peters i think you can safely expect him to be uh you know a top 15 left tackle um next year which is a high price for 15 million dollars a year to say top half left tackle yeah the second year becomes a really big question mark but we've just been like you said kicking the can on, on the on the tackle and and you know the contract with soldier looms so far over us that i think i might actually pull the trigger on this one well the interesting part is too now you said a pretty high a pretty high number there for the contract i have heard there has been some things out there that this may not it may not be that high of a deal given his age you know given where he's at in his career and the sense that the uh, the, see, the eagles are essentially saying hey you want to go ahead and, and get out there and hit the market feel free so there hasn't been a ton of pushback necessarily from the eagles feeling like they want to keep him around or whatever the price may be so if you came to me and said that this is one that is trending closer to 10 million than 15 then i start to get excited about maybe that two year deal because like you said it is it is twofold taking away from the eagles and then also bringing in a value for ourselves so I'm not a hundred percent out on it. And actually, as I look over here on on uh, spot rack real quick here, just to get the numbers on, it. yeah, they're talking about average annual salary. They're saying that he could come out here looking for a one year deal at seven point eight million. You know, he ranked 17th at left tackle, just to be clear here, uh, this past season. So his play has dropped off. He's not the player uh, from a handful of seasons ago. So you are, you know, this is diminished value, and that's probably also where I hedge my bet saying. You know, the guys start to fall off the cliff. All of a sudden, you lose that little bit of step there, especially on the offensive line, and now you're getting burned around the edge. And I would hate to be in a position where I'm watching somewhat feels like maybe, you know, diminished quality of play like we've seen from Soldier there at the position. And now we've done it again to ourselves. So I, I would be shocked and floored if Jason Peters signs for anything under $10 million. I assume, I, mean, I, I assume that a Super Bowl-ready team, yeah, I, even though there, that's what it dictates there, I assume that a Super Bowl-ready team comes in, and that's where I think he goes. That's the other piece of this, too. I don't think that, you know, if, you, if you're Peters, where do you want to go, right? I mean, do you need a payday at this point? Not necessarily, but if you get a chance to go and be a component on a Super Bowl competing team, that also, I think, plays a big factor. So it's a team in the right position that has the cap space that feels like their window is right here, right now, I could see them coming in and saying, what are you looking to get? We'll give you that one. Like I said, we'll give you a one-year deal at $15 million because we believe that with you plugged in there for one year, we can really accomplish something. Not unlike, uh, what was it, Whitworth there when he went to the Rams, right? You brought in an older player because you felt like in this small window it gave us a real shot. They get to the Super Bowl. Uh, they don't achieve the ultimate goal, but you saw what an impact that veteran presence had. So that's also situationally where I think it makes more sense. Whereas for the Giants, why are you going to lock in money to a 38-year-old, even for even in the short term, on a year or two, when, when you know you're not there yet. I, I, I would rather see a young guy getting reps at that spot. Yeah, I think, you know, I can close with saying the ideal thing would be someone like that for a one-year, $8 million deal. I'd sign yeah. up for that. You couldn't, you couldn't get the pen out of my hand to be able to sign that one. I think more realistically, you'll probably see Jason Peters get a second-year option or something in the $12 million range. If I, if I had to say closest to the bullseye, I'd probably say two years and – 24 million is probably what, uh, like you said, a Super Bowl contender would look at and say, 
this is the one piece that we need to show up our line. Let's pull the trigger now. Now, interestingly enough, as, as we work our way through, you know, Conklin came out as the third rated right tackle. Uh, Costanzo there on the left side, we mentioned Peters there, 17th this past season. Eighth ranked was Costanzo. Then you get into another right tackle here, and this maybe could be a little bit more palatable for a gentleman such as yourself as well. This is a guy who is 30 years old. You've mentioned this name before, and that is Brian uh, Balaga out of Green Bay. Uh, he's a veteran, right tackle, and uh, this is someone who's projected to be in that three-year, $32 million, that's 10.8 annual salary, ranked as the fourth overall right tackle the past year in this league. He's coming off of what ended up being for him the 2019 season, 77.8 pro football focus rating, 75 the year prior, had some injuries, however, and then going back the year before was a big injury season for him in 2017. So the big red flag on him is certainly going to be uh, from the health standpoint, but I kind of look at him not unlike when you got Zeitler in the door here, Zeitler younger, but in terms of the pro football focus rating and consistency of play, we talked about it you know, weeks ago now about how Zeitler was the most consistent member of our offensive line this past year. I think if healthy, uh, Balaga would be the kind of guy that could be consistent for you. So you just know what you're getting when you plug him in and you let him go. At $10.8 million on a three-year deal, would you bring him in feeling like we have Gates there, he's the depth and competition across the board, and then again, we go into the draft, we're going to get a body in there, but this allows us to have a reasonably priced option there over the next couple of seasons, and then you just kind of allow youth to outplay. I would much rather have Brian Balaga at that number than Conklin, and mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with which player I think is better, and it and clearly Brian Balaga has industry, in, uh, injury history. He's five or six years older than Jack Conklin. There's a lot of challenges but my, my ultimate uh, worry is that we invest so much on the right side that all of a sudden we say, well, maybe we could just like go with Nate soldier again on the, on the left-hand side. And that, I, that would make me scream. No, like I'm reaching out. No, don't do it. Whatever. <laughs> don't do it. Right. Right. Um, so for me, I, I would, I'd probably grit my teeth and, 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 and say yes, because we just do need a lot of offensive line help. But again, if we're, I just I want us if we're going to spend money, spend money on the left hand side or invest wisely in the draft on the left hand side. Well, and you know, and we've gone back and forth on this. I will say, like Nate Soldier for me, and I'm not saying that Belaga needs to be the answer. I like him at this number, and I think that that would be a reasonable reasonable signing for the Giants. But for me. I look at it, and I, I've said this before. I, I really, I don't want Nate Soldier to get kicked over the right tackle. I don't want Nate Soldier left tackle. I don't want him anywhere. But at the end, of, you know, I don't want him to be starting for us. But at the end of the day, if you brought in a guy like this, and then say at the top of the draft, and, uh, well, and there's a little extra piece to this as well. But you bring in a guy at the top of the draft, whether it's Thomas or say it's Becton, guys that have experience at left tackle. Guess what? They come into camp, they plug in at left tackle to compete. And as long as they're doing, you know, not, not well enough, but you know what I mean? As long as they're understanding the playbook, digesting it, looks like they're in the rhythm and you're getting all the return on your expected investment, then guess what, Nate Soldier? You're a high-priced backup, and that's, that's the breaks because we brought in a veteran on the right side, and he's going to be taking over there. Uh, the footnote for me as well would be you talked about uh, Boogala, 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 uh, Balaga versus Conklin. I will say, I, I have to acknowledge as, I, as I've gone through this, I think if you brought in Conklin, I obviously would be excited because of what it means for the offensive line overall. 
But I do look at it and start to say, man, that difference between 15 million versus 10 or 11 million for an older stopgap type of situation that can at the very worst end up providing you some reasonably priced depth across the line if someone like Gates were to beat him out. And then you, and then you save yourself that little extra 5 million, right? All of a sudden you pick up 5 million from Ed Ellison, you put it in your pocket, you save 5 million on who you bring on the right side of the line. Now, now you've made yourself another player in four well, years. Yeah, Adam, Adam, the way that I like to think about this uh, as we were going through this exercise, if you were GM Dave Gettleman, would you rather have Jack Conklin and Leonard Williams or would you rather have Brian Balaga and Jadavian Clowney? Right. No, that's, that's, that's a good way to look at it. Because, because essentially you're basically saying $5 million, $6 million between the players you know, in, the, in the deltas, and that's kind of what that – scenario would paint to be and for me I would much rather the Balaga and Clowney piece even though there are injury concerns and they are you know a little bit older uh to me I just like that setup a little bit better for us yeah and I'm really I'm, I'm uh, I've been swinging the pendulum on Clowney and what that looks like as we say rumors and speculation now it's that oh he definitely it's he both definitely wants to come to the Giants and also he definitely wants to get paid so <laughs> you, you combine those two things you know and oh and by the way he has the caveat and I want to play for a contender so you know I'm sure well, the Giants I, can work all those things out again I, I think I said this uh the last time that we spoke but like yeah the, the tough part is he want, he says he wants to play for a winner but he also wants to get paid like the, if he really truly wants to go to a winner and he thinks he can win a Super Bowl next year, he's not coming to the Giants unless we, you know, back up the Brinks truck and overpay to get him in the door, which, uh, I mean, it, it's a tough pill to swallow. I think he is a game changer on the defensive side of the ball, but he's not coming, he's not coming to the Giants and taking a discount. Like that's just not going to happen. So, you know, he's going to get over 20 million a year from someone and it may, you know, to, Sweeten the pot as a, as a giant, you might have to go to 22, 23 million. Well, and the weird thing is, too, is we'll move on to just the last couple of players that I wanted to touch on here. The interesting thing for me, too, is if you're one of those players, a clowny or any of these high priced free agents, and you talk about wanting to get paid but also wanting to compete, you know, typically, if you're going to a team that is going to be competing at a high level, making playoff runs, that's where you get a lot of those incentives inside the contract, right? If we make it to X round of the playoffs, if you have X number of sacks in the playoffs, if we end up winning a Super Bowl, you're getting a little bit of money. So I think sometimes players, especially when you're hitting that market, you know, you want to cash in that payday and that's great, but it, you know, and it, it hate, hate to speak ill of our giants, but if you want to be competing at a high level and going for a championship over the length of the contract, you're probably better off going somewhere else for maybe a contract that looks like $3 million less annually that you probably make back 80% of in bonuses and incentives, uh, you know, over the course of the season and playoff run. So food for thought there, certainly when it comes for, for clowning, it would be interesting to see how those things start to shake out as free agency gets underway. The last couple of notes that I want to run by you here, these are some of the more reasonable ones. Uh, you know, I, I, already, I think I already know where this one goes, so this will be a quick one. Uh, I slide across your desk a 9.9 annual salary, five-year, $49 million contract for Connor McGovern out of Denver. You also have, right up behind it there, a $10 million year annual salary, four for 40, with Matt Skura uh, out of the Ravens. Do either one of those tickle your fancy, or are you sitting there as Dave Gettleman and you just say, sorry, that's not where our positional need hierarchy is in this, in this free agency period? Yeah, I, I think we're looking at premium positions, and as I've said before, I don't – I. While the center touches the ball on, on every play, I don't, I don't value the center position that high. I think uh, if we can find just a, a replacement level player at that spot, uh, I'm more comfortable spending the dollars on the outside than I am on the inside. 
And uh, again, you know, spending that money on the interior of the offensive line means that we just don't have that much money to go to the defensive side of the ball as well. So for me, I'm, I'm out on both of those. And I would much rather make sure that that money gets put towards either a cornerback or a linebacker or a pass rusher or a free safety. Cause we pretty much <laughs> the defensive side of the ball, you know, the, the, and the thing about it too, is to your point, you don't want to overinvest, uh, especially maybe on the inside of the offensive line, uh, but too much on one side of the ball and not the other. But we said this before, right? That the interesting element of it is if let's say you invested heavily on the offensive line for agency, all of a sudden, that can adjust what your approach is going to be when it comes to draft day and where you want to go, especially in the first, you know, first, second, third round selections, depending if there's a trade down. If the Giants internally really look at Simmons and say, this is a guy that we value and want, well, now all of a sudden, if, if you've addressed these needs and spent a little bit of big money on the offensive line and free agency, now you can take Simmons at four and you can worry about bringing in some depth in the second or third or even the fourth round, you know, wherever it may be across the offensive line. I don't know if I would love that, but that's kind of what you're going to see here. And I'll be interested if it's a heavy to one side of the ball or the other, or, and I think more, more realistically, is going to be that they try to get a piece or two on both sides of the ball. And then that way they have flexibility throughout the draft to continue to address holes that they have everywhere on the roster, knowing that you still brought in some key pieces to help move this team forward. And think, think of it like this. Our entire defense is about, in, in terms of total salary, right now is about the same annual value as Nate Solder's contract. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. Yeah, It's time to really invest in the defense. And I believe that we're going to obviously do that uh, quite a bit through the draft. It, if Chase Young fell to us, that would significantly change the course of the, of the defense. Isaiah Simmons is such a versatile player. He would change things. Um, yeah, I, I, would be, I would be out on, on both of those different center uh, and, and inside the line positions that you were talking about. Yeah, and having gone through some of these mock drafts, I certainly see value in, in the draft as well. So interesting to see uh, where the Giants look to go. And, and my perspective is evolving on this as we work through it. And because inside those pro football focus numbers on both of those players, uh, you know, Skura as well as uh, McGovern, just it, there's some positives there. There's been steady growth from McGovern, um, but he's not exactly blowing the doors off at the center position in terms of the, the ratings that he receives. So you have a little bit of concern there just in terms of, if you're going to spend money in free agency, you want it to be about as close to a sure thing as possible. Last name that we will touch on here, this is one who has dealt with some injuries down in Carolina, going back to the 2016 season, played to a 67.5 pro football focus rating, played to a 77 in 2017, 71.9, although an injury played 2018 season, and then came back here, had a mixed bag, bad, bad performance for him this year, uh, 56 pro football focus rating. I look at him as being an option for the Giants to bring in and really offer competition and depth ultimately. So in terms of where this contract is going to go, there's not a number out there right now. I would think you're falling more into the six to $8 million a year range, maybe on a three-year deal. Ironically has the same name as the uh, center in the draft that I'm looking for out of Mississippi state in some of the later rounds for the Giants. And that's Daryl Williams coming out of Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is the kind of move we talk about. Do you want to spend $11 million on a center? Is that worth it, not worth it? Dealing with Nate Soldier, knowing you may draft someone early, but you want to have flexibility, you don't want to overpay for a Conklin. 
a player like Daryl Williams, who has experience at guard and tackle positions, he can give you nice depth and flexibility throughout so that as the season, you know, evolves and unfolds, and maybe you deal with injuries, obviously, maybe Nate Soldier really fully falls out of favor, then you just know that you're going to have a solid veteran backup that has experience starting and in spite of a bad 2019 season, has played at a high level and is still just 27. I am in on this one, Adam. Totally in on this one. So, yeah, I knew I'd get you. You, you got me on one that I feel really good about. Yes, there's, there's really questionable injury history around Darrell Williams. His play has been all over the map. But, again, the way that I'm looking at how we're going to be building this out is I do believe we are going to invest in a 10-year future left tackle in the first round of the, of the NFL draft. Because we're going to be putting that much investment in there, and, you know, the way that I'm looking on the right side is we have in-house people like Nick Gates, who in limited time showed that he can be pretty serviceable. We have Nate Solder, who I believe moving over, change of scenery over to the right-hand side might benefit him. Mm-hmm. But let's get an insurance policy. Let's throw Darrell Williams into the mix. You know, that 5 to $7 million we could put on the, on the left-hand side, we know that there are a ton of injuries through the course of the season. You do need depth, particularly along the offensive line. So if you're telling me that we could kind of swing Nate around in case there's issues with someone like Andrew Thomas or Mekhi Becton or whoever we end up drafting, I love how that starts looking in terms of the flexibility on the line. Yeah, and that's really that's really the the reason why I thought throwing him into the mix is important. And like you said, you know, by the end of next season, Nate Soldier is going to be an afterthought because I think regardless of how his play, unless he somehow turns this thing around back to a Pro Bowl level, you know, he's not going to be a part of this team two seasons from now. So you're still going to need some bodies in there to give you some depth. And then, like I said, man, if, if Nick Gates wins out that starting right tackle job and, and Daryl Williams is just the swing backup, much like Nick Gates was uh, for this team, I would love it. You know that you have some type of, of defined quantity there. And I wouldn't be surprised. I was throwing around those numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's one of those one-year reestablish yourself kind of contracts for him so that you can go out and get a bigger deal at just 28 years old, at which point the Giants could get a real value in free agency and also be free from it very next offseason so you can go ahead and retool and see what, like you said, these young draft picks have done for you because the one thing you don't want to end up with is being weighted down with bigger or bloated contracts once your young players establish themselves. So that's the kind of flexibility I think that that offers. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, he, he came out in the 2015 draft. He was, he, he was the apple of Dave Gettleman's eye, I believe. So there and that's is a nice tie in there. Yes. You know, there is a little bit of, of uh, consistency between the two. They know each other. They're familiar with each other. He drafted him. He had faith in him before. If Gettleman says I can, you know, get you paid and, and I know what you're capable of, you know, we, we do, this is the one time we're having familiarity with Dave Gelman may help us out. Yeah, listen, I'll bring you in. I, I brought in a lot of guys from Carolina. I'm Dave Gettleman now. Uh, let's see, car keys in your car. You know, I brought a lot of guys in from Carolina and uh, look, just look back at Johnny Stewart. Yeah. Beautiful at, deal. Beautiful contract. Yeah. Jonathan Stewart. Guy couldn't run the ball anymore <laughs> to save his life. I gave him $3 Come on, Come on. Come on, Daryl. Jump in. The water's fine. Yeah. So uh, hopefully with better returns on investment, if that turns out to be the case. That being said, that'll do it for this episode of the One Giant Podcast. There's, there's a lot of other names out there in and around the offensive line. But I think what we were able to do here is 
cover that spectrum, right? Biggest names, highest quote unquote quality available talent, and then also some more reasonable depth options that could help the Giants fill out this roster and prepare for what hopefully is going to be, you know, the first of the turnaround seasons for, for Big Blue in New York. You can follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Obviously, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts fulfilled. Download, rate, review, subscribe, get those auto downloads going. We really appreciate it, and we are seeing a nice little uptick in our listenership. So as we continue to push our way through free agency and towards the NFL draft, we're excited to continue to bring you all things New York football giants. Andy, I will catch up with you soon, and as always, let's go Big Blue.